This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Laravel News Podcast. This is episode 110. I am joined today, as always, by my good friend and co-host, Jake Bennett. Hey, everybody. So, uh, quick somber beginning to the day. This morning, we found out that Kobe Bryant, as well as his daughter, as well as I think seven other passengers in a helicopter, uh, died in a mm-hmm. crash this morning. So, um, quick moment of silence at the, to start the show. Uh, certainly mourning the loss of uh, one of the world's best basketball players, as well as uh, friends and family members of plenty of other people. So sad times. Um, just a good reminder yeah. of what what are the things that are really important in our lives, and that um, security happens to be a myth. There is no such thing, right? Another day is not guaranteed yeah. for anybody. So. Um, take a moment to yep. hug your loved ones and uh, be thankful for the time that you have with them. So, yeah. Yep. With that in mind, uh, we'll go ahead and jump into the episode. We've got a lot of good stuff for us today. We've got three different releases that have come out as well as a new package that Taylor is preparing for all of us. We've got some news and blog announcements as well as about seven or eight packages as well. So a lot of activity going on in the community and stoked to be able to share them with you today. So we're going to go ahead and start out with Laravel 6.10. Let's go ahead and we'll go through all the releases and I'll start with this one. I think the, which one is it? 11, 611? No, you'll do for 612 for sure because they have the uh, that new factory stuff they want to talk about. So yeah. I'll drop it with 610 here. So uh, the Laravel 6.10 was released in on January 8th. So there's a couple things here. Laravel Mix test helpers were contributed by Jason Mercury. So the Mix class, Laravel Mix, apparently used to be a little bit difficult to be able to disable in testing. Now, to be real honest, I went and looked at the PR and I'm not exactly sure when you'd be testing this or how you'd be testing that. If this is something you've had to do before though, uh, you may find uh, it was difficult to swap out of the container. So there's now a without mix and with with mixed test helpers, uh, which are similar to enabling or disabling exception handling. So you might want to check that out. There is also a new validate with bag request macro. So what you can do is when you're doing your validations on a request, typically what's going to happen is all of those request errors that come back are just going to come back in the default bag, the default error bag. So in your blade template in the front end, you could say, if errors, and then uh, that will tell you if there are any session errors, any error bag errors. But you can also have a bag that's associated with that. One one interesting use case for this would be like if you had multiple forms on a page and you wanted to be able to validate those multiple forms separately, what you could do is you could assign an error bag for each one of those sections of forms. Uh, and so now what you have is this new method called validate with bag, where the first argument is the name of the bag that you want to put all the errors that come back into. So if that's something that sounds interesting to you, it's certainly useful. I actually just was thinking about using this today. I would have to update the the application I was hoping to use it on though. So I I went around a a different way, but uh, this is definitely interesting and it's now supported in the documentation as well. So all the validation uh, documentation is updated to show how you can use that as well. So check that out. 
Graham Campbell, who is a long-time contributor to the Laravel framework, uh, added PHP Unit 9 support in version 6.x. So the reason why we're doing this is because Laravel 6 is a long-term support release, and it's likely we want to continue to support newer versions of PHP. And it's likely that those versions of PHP, like 8.1, 8.2, will need something like PHP Unit uh, 9. So we're just going to go ahead and start pushing that in for Laravel 6. So that's something to be on the lookout for. Uh, we also have the Redis connection, which has been made macroable by Matt Allen. Thanks for that. If you don't know what making something macroable in Laravel is, this is something we've talked about many times on the show. It basically allows you to add your own methods onto this class uh, and be able to call them through the facade uh, or you know, however you might be doing it, resolving it out of the container, whatever. But it kind of gives you this native feeling method call that you can just add on with this macro ability. Uh, there's a couple other items that I, that were not in the main blog post that I thought were interesting. There's a new exclude if and exclude unless validation rules. Um, there is one other item. What was it? Oh, uh, the calls commands feature, uh, which is part of the illuminate console command, uh, was actually extracted. And so now what you can do is you can actually use symphony console commands as well, I believe. Check out the pull requests for that. That's 31026. You can, of course, check out all the rest of that in the show notes. Um, one more thing, one more thing. Oh, yeah, that's right. It was when you pass too many arguments in a slot, in a blade slot, there was this possibility that if you did so, you'd get this really cryptic error that said you were overflowing some sort of buffer or something. And so instead of that error being thrown like that, I don't remember exactly who wrote the pull request, but essentially it will now throw a Laravel exception uh, instead and let you know that you're passing too many things through as slots. I believe the limit is now two, so you can only pass like two arguments through the slots. So yeah, that's there, and that is Laravel 6.10. Um, Michael, so do you want to take 6.11 and 6.12? 6.11 is a little bit of a smaller one. Uh, you want to just knock out the both of those, 6.11 and 6.12? Yeah, I can make that happen. So Laravel right. 6.11 was released the week of the 14th of January. And just a couple of main highlights there. The first one being the eloquent first where method, which was contributed by Caleb Pozio. And this is a method that's been added to the eloquent builder, which is basically just a shortcut for wherever you use the where arrow first syntax. So if you had a user model and you wanted to find where mm -hmm. email, comma, uh, jake at jakebennett.com arrow first, you can now just do first where, which will give you the first record back without the extra um, steps there. So it, sh it uh, shaves off a few keystrokes, but uh, it's an intuitive extra bit to have in there, all about that developer ergonomics. Um, the new method is only available on the Eloquent Builder and is not available in the Query Builder, though. Um, the other thing that was added by Josias Montag is uh, optimizing the Redis multi-channel broadcasting. Um, and so it's pretty common in Laravel to send events to multiple channels at once. Currently, this results in multiple published commands or sending the same payload to the Redis server, which causes unnecessary data transfer in costs. If you've got something like, uh, what is the the hosted Elastic Amazon cache. Elastic Cache, yeah, um, especially if the payload is is rather big. So, well done to Josias for adding that in. Um, those are the main things that were added in this release. So we'll hop on over to the next one. There, if you don't mind, can I jump one more in here? So. Sure. There's also the string helper after last method, which was interesting. I don't know who put this one in. I should probably go look real quick because if it's not Caleb, <laughs> it was Dries. 
Okay. So um, the example he gives is there was a problem where a subject of dash, 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 foo wouldn't return foo when dash, dash, dash was passed as the search parameter for string after last. Uh, so it looks like that was actually just a fix. After last wasn't actually added. There was just a fix added for that. Right. Uh, although I will say I did not know about after last until just recently. One of my uh, other developers put in after last. I was like, wait, that's a thing? Yep, <laughs> apparently it is. So like if you have a list of like slash, 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 and you're going to get the piece after the last slash. Mm -hmm. So like, uh, like, for example, like a namespace of a class. So if you said get class and you passed a class, and it would say like app slash model slash whatever or whatever. You could get like the piece after the last slash if you use after last, yeah, which right. is pretty cool. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I am. Okay. One that I came across recently was replace first, where we had to remove the uh, prefix of a, uh, yeah. of, a, of a string. And yeah, replace first because we were doing, you know, substring and doing all kinds of weird stuff. Uh, so it's nice to yeah. leverage the framework tools when when possible. I mean, say what you will about the framework stuff, right? I mean, like these little helpers, but dude, they are so immensely yeah. helpful, especially with like these things you have to do. Like you don't have to do them all the time, but when you do have to do them, it's really nice to not have to figure it all out on your own. You can mm -hmm. just grab a, grab a helper and check it in there. Yeah, we're coupled, coupled till death. So. Yep, there we <laughs> go. Till death those parts. That's right. Better or worse, rich and poor. And uh, lastly, last week, Laravel team released Laravel 6.12 with the ability to load factories from a package, dump test session data, and many other features. There was actually quite a few contributions to this release that added some sweet syntactic sugar for some repetitive things like filtering request inputs. So um, first off is the loading of pack packages, sorry, loading of factories from a package, which was contributed by Gergo D. Nagy. There you go. G-E-R-G-O. Apologies for butchering your name. Uh, they contribute a pull request to load factory files in a service provider, which means that packages can now benefit from using existing factories instead of you know, having to recreate them in your application. So we've actually, I don't remember how we implemented it, but we've done this in one of our applications because we actually have all of our eloquent models in a separate repository that we pull in between multiple applications. So I think we had to namespace it to, to actually get it to work properly. So being able to just say this load factories from inside your package service provider simplifies that process quite a bit. Next up, we've got the ability to dump session in a test response, which was contributed by Andrew Brown. It's a method that was added to the test response class that provides convenience around dumping the whole session or specific keys. So if you do a, a get request or a post request or something like that, you can do response dump session or you could do response dump session and pass a, a string key or an array of keys and that'll give you whatever was in the session at the time that that was done. So if you're wanting to make assertions around or if you're wanting to you know, test that something is there, you can use that new dump session method. So thanks to Andrew for that. At Leon HH has contributed an is UUID string helper, which uh, extracts some of the logic from the validates attributes trait using, uh, used to validate UUID. So you've now got a string colon colon is UUID helper that you can pass a string into that. So you can either give it the UID and it'll return true or some arbitrary string and false. So if you've needed to validate a UUID within your application, you've got a nice convenient method to access that. Next up, uh, Lasse Raffin contributed a request Boolean method, which makes which takes input and filters it through the filter var to determine if the value is Boolean. So it'll handle a string true, a string false, the number one, the string one, the, the number zero, the, the string zero, and then just a string and it will return false for. 
So that's really helpful if you want to determine if some input that, is helpful, that has been passed yeah. in your request is a Boolean. So that's something to um, simplify all it, some process where you know you might have had to handle that yourself previously. And the last main feature we've got here was contributed by Mohammed Benida, which is a factory create many method which aids in creating multiple records with custom data. So before you'd have to call the factory arrow create uh, multiple times if you wanted to create multiple user models, for example. Whereas now you can just use the create many method and pass an array of arrays and that'll create you multiple. I don't know if that returns multiple models. So if you were calling fact create many and you needed to get the individual, you know, user one, user two out of that, you may still need to create the individual records. But if you just need to have the, the models in your database and you just need to know that there's three in there or whatever, then, you know, definitely check out the create many factory helper it looks like it returns a collection so you should be good so if you uh yeah even if you're doing that create many you need to be able to retrieve those instances without grabbing them from the database you just say like you know dollar sign users equals factory user class create many whatever whatever and it will do it for you and return a collection yeah that's handy yeah that is easy very nice Okay, the next thing we're going to be talking about is early version of Laravel Airlock is available for testing. So Taylor Atwell had talked about this on Twitter for a while. He had just said that this was something that he felt was a problem that hadn't really been solved well yet. And so he decided to take it on. So he's got this new package called Laravel Airlock, and it's currently available on GitHub. So its kind of tagline is that it provides a featherweight authentication system for SPAs and simple APIs. So if you have an interest or experience in working with single-page applications, you can help test the package. You can find it at github.com slash Laravel slash Airlock. So at the high level, here are some of the features that it includes. Secure SPA authentication with CSRF protection, API tokens, API token abilities or scopes, some people might call them, mobile application authentication, and token revocation or revoking of tokens. So again, emphasizing here, this is an early version of the package. However, with that being said, it does feel pretty stable and and well thought out. Make sure that if you do have feedback that you're respectful and courteous in providing that so we can help contribute input as a community in a positive way with that. So Paul Redmond, everyone's favorite human, has started experimenting with this and had a few takeaways that he wanted to share so that you could get help when starting to try it out. So uh, first item of note is that airlock will work with laravel 6 but he recommends using laravel version 7 to try it out Uh, you'll also need to use laravel ui version 2.x to scaffold the auth and the ui files so he's got a little um quick set of bash commands you can run in here level laravel new composer require vendor publish artisan ui view whatever that'll kind of help get you through you know instead of reading all the documentation this is what you need to do to get started with that uh the second thing he said to not conf- uh, forget is to configure the uh config that ships when you publish the config that comes with it which happens to be named airlock.php uh so there you have to configure uh both your local domains and any of the domains that you'd be using in production the stateful configuration works in tandem some middleware that ships with airlock so if you don't have that set up uh, it's not going to work on your local system. So besides SPA authentication, Airlock also provides API tokens that are similar to personal access tokens. Along with these, you can define abilities, which are similar to those scopes. And then you can uh, do something uh, really simple, dollar sign user, arrow, token can, and then the name of that ability to check if the authenticated user can do whatever they're trying to do. Having said all that, this is something that we've been doing kind of 
um, using Laravel in the background, uh, using the mm-hmm. token guard. So yeah. for our specific use case, we could still swap this in and and use mm-hmm. what he's created here with Airlock to accomplish that maybe in a more clear manner and not in a way that's yeah. not really that well documented. And so this would get sort of like first class support, whereas the token guard, I feel, has just kind of yeah. been like one of those things buried in there that people can use if they know about it or care to. Um, mm-hmm. But also with that, I think the SPA authentication stuff and the fact that you can do mobile application authentication makes this really, really nice. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, I would rather have something like this built by Tyler and Absolutely. just use it than try and implement it myself. Totally. So, totally. I, um, I, I agree. We've, we've I, Yeah, I mean, we've got one app that's an SPA that, that Aaron has been working on. So I think he's mentioned that he might have a look at this or, uh, or he has looked at it already. But um, yeah, definitely if you're looking at doing some kind of uh, authentication for a, a front end that's consuming your APIs and you don't don't need the full heft of, of an OAuth implementation, there's definitely something to check out. Yeah, I, I think so we've we've even considered basically writing this, like our own little version of this, not mm-hmm. it, half of this actually is, is what I'm trying to say. Like with the personal access tokens, yeah. that's that part of it. Because we already have that, the personal access tokens and the scopes and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. we've had to re basically re-implement it each time that we've wanted to use it. And um, yeah, it doesn't feel great. So this will be... This will be definitely something we'll be using in the future. Laravel 7, like he said, I'm not exactly sure when that is set to release. I think he said at the bottom. Here's what he said. February. Yeah, Airlock's likely to be released around the same time as Laravel 7, and it leverages upcoming features like JSON responses for authentication routes, uh, which is why you'll maybe want to wait until Laravel 7 is out in order to be able to use this in production. So it is early yeah. release. Make sure you treat it as such. Mm-hmm. There we go. All right, that's that one. So that's all the Laravel releases we have. Uh, I think next we wanted to move on to, let's see, we wanted to move on to packages. So let's jump into that. I think the first one we had was Laravel Overflow. So storing extra columns as JSON. You want to take that one on for us? Yeah, Laravel Overflow is a package by Logan H. Craft that allows adding an overflow column to a form request. An overflow column contains request values in the JSON or text column in the database. Defining an overflow column involves using a form request with this package's overflowable trait. And the trait provides some methods for separating table columns from database table columns. So you've got model properties equals request overflow. You've got allow with overflow, uh, sorry, request all with overflow to get table columns and, and overflow values in one. And then you've got get columns, which just gets the database columns out there. So if you've ever wanted to store you know, first name, last name, email address, address, all of that in the database. And then you've just got a whole bunch of settings or some profile fields or something like that that you just want to throw in a JSON object in a blob. You can still handle that as separate UI elements in your form and then just jam that all into one object. And this little package will take care of doing that for you. Yeah, and it makes it eloquent, if you will, right? So they've got this public (laughs) overflow column, which basically sets, you might want to call it properties or meta or whatever you might want to call it, right? And then they've got those those methods for separating the actual table columns from the database table columns that you wanted to Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. shove in there. Yep, definitely. I think that looks pretty cool. And we have a couple of places where we're already doing something very similar to that. So could use that package. Absolutely. Okay, we've also got this access bare notes in Laravel. Okay, how many of you have used bare notes before? Hands up, hands raised. Okay, I see mm-hmm. those hands. Yep, mm-hmm. excellent. So bare sync is a package by Caleb Porzio. And this came out of, it seemed like he was basically looking for the best way for him to be able to blog, like zero friction, right? 
And if you've ever tried to blog something, you know very well about this, right? It starts out in sublime, or maybe if you just write your notes in bare, it starts out in bare. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to write this. And then eventually I'm going to get this transferred over to my blog platform, which happens to be WordPress or Statomic or just log or whatever it happens to be, right? And Caleb got tired of doing that. Caleb's pain tolerance for these sorts of things is extremely low. And so he's decided, hey, you know what? I'm going to make a new package. And he did. So what this does is this allows you to basically have a bare note model, which accesses bare notes SQLite database via Laravel's database driver. So you now have this new bare note model and you can say search by title. You can say where title. You can access the notes contents saying ID, title, content. So you say dollar sign, right? So let's let's start at the top, right? So bare note, colon, colon, search by title, you grab the title of whatever it is you want. Now you've got that in a notes uh, variable, right? Once you've got that, you have the ID, the title, the content, which you can just get by accessing properties on that model resource that you've got. There's also an interesting attribute on that called checksum. So the checksum, it's the checksum of the notes. So basically you can check to see if it's been updated, right? So if it's been updated, mm-hmm. the checksum is going to be different. So if you stored that, you can say list through all of these and see if the checksum is different. And if it is, okay, then it's been updated. So then you can do something with it. Uh, you can also fetch its contents and then replace or store the images that it has into your local file system on Laravel. So this is really interesting. So he has, I think he's got a little mini video in Twitter as well, where he kind of shows him using this and how he's utilized this in order to be able to make that zero friction deploy to his blog sort of workflow for himself. So this looks really interesting. Yeah. If you're a user of Bear, uh, you'll definitely want to check this out. Uh, you could kind of uh, automate some stuff for you and make your life a little bit easier. We all like having our life just that little bit easier. We do indeed. And speaking of blog posts, Jigsaw is Titan's um, static site generator, which started out as just blog stuff, but now you've got these starter templates. Why don't you talk to us about those? Yeah, so I don't think it was a recent release, but well, recent in that it's been in the last few months that I'm pretty sure they've put these out. But since the initial release, Titan, the lovely people behind Jigsaw, which is a framework for building static sites using Laravel's blade templating, have introduced two starter templates you can use to accelerate your new projects. The feature, yeah, as I said, the feature was released a little over a year ago, but we thought it was worth sharing again. Thanks, Paul Redmond. So when you initialize a new static project, you can pick from a blog or doc starter template. So you do vendor bin jigsaw init blog or init docs. And the two built-in starter templates include out-of-the-box features for fully responsive navigation. They use Tailwind CSS, Purge CSS to keep your CSS files light and ready to roll. Syntax highlighting is provided by Highlight.js. There is a script that generates a sitemap.xml file and provides you with custom 404 pages. In addition to those features, documentation template also includes a sidebar navigation menu and a search bar powered by Algolia Doc Search. You can check out demos for both of those via the Jigsaw website, which we'll include links to in the show notes. I mean, um, You can also install third-party starter templates and build your own. So check out the starter template documentation for details on installing Jigsaw provider templates and creating your own. Wow, this looks so good, honestly. It looks really, really good. Okay, so the blog starter yeah, template. pretty slick. Yeah, the blog starter template is great, really nice. But that docs starter template, dang, man, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, like just jumping in there, it's got all the stuff that you'd need. Because like when you're writing docs, like the last thing you want to do 
is to be futzing around with like, how am I going to set yeah. this all up? And all you just want to write the docs, right? You just want to get it out of your way That's and right. write yeah. the docs. And it's really nice too that it also integrates immediately with that Algolia docs search. That's really sweet that you get that mm-hmm. kind of out of the box. And you get that, you know, if you're using the free starter plan on Algolia, that should get you everything that you need. You shouldn't really have yeah. to do much. So that is really, really cool. Thanks, Titan. That's awesome. Uh, so the sponsor that we have this week is About Youth. Uh, they are the fastest growing e-commerce company in Europe. So their com- their headquarters is located in Hamburg, Germany. They have over 8 million app installs, 15 million active users on their platform, and over 300 million API calls a day. They have a company valuation of more than $100 million, actually $1 billion US. And it looks like one third of their employees are developers. They are looking to hire more of them and they have a passion to develop the best product on the market. Their award-winning organization model, Move, allows developers to switch teams, which ensures lifelong learning. And it's about you has built its software in-house using Laravel, Node, TypeScript, Vue, React, and some uh, more recent technologies like Flutter. So besides a variety of free drinks, fresh fruits, they also offer free language courses and relocation if you move from uh, from abroad. They also have their own organized conference, Code.Talks, which is one of the big biggest tech conferences in Europe. You have a choice between your uh, hardware setups. You can get a Mac, a Windows, Linux, uh, whatever kind of IDE you'd like to work with. And there are vacancies currently for a full stack developer, front end developer, Dart Flutter developer, a quality assurance engineer, project manager, and other exciting leadership positions if you're looking for a job. So thank you so much to them for sponsoring. Uh, you can find out more about this uh, wonderful company at aboutyou.com slash hiring. We've also got another package for you called Laravel Populated Factory. So this provides an easy way for you to generate factory data for models based on types and database column names. So this sounds a little bit similar to Blueprint to me, right? Like Jason McCurry's Blueprint stuff? Maybe, maybe not. Let's take a look at it. So Using the make populated factory command uh, by passing a model name and an optional factory name override will create a new factory file based on the model. So what you do is you take an existing model that you have. So maybe you don't have factories yet built for some of your models that you have in your in your application. What you do is you'd say PHP artisan make colon populated factory. Then you pass the name of that model. So the command assumes the app namespace or Uh, Either that or you must pass the full namespace for models located elsewhere. And then what it does is it takes a look at the the fields in your database to determine what type of faker methods it should use to populate that particular factory. So for instance, it's in this case, they had a model that had a name, an email, a password, a remember token, a created at and updated at. And it goes through and it creates that factory for you with faker name, faker unique safe email, faker date time, and a password with like a random value for a password in there. So you can learn more about the package and get the full installation instructions at, look it up in the show notes. I'm not going to try. But anyway, looks really cool. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Hey, just on uh, factories, I saw on Twitter a little earlier, uh, Rashid Lazri created a, a Laravel PHP helper to generate random data using faker. And you can just oh, drop it that, into yeah. your application's helpers file. And essentially, it just gives you a new faker method, which has an optional property parameter that you can pass to it. If you pass the property, it'll call that method directly on. So if you do, you know, faker parentheses name, then it'll call the name 
property on on the faker instance otherwise it will just give you a faker instance in the same way that a lot of laravel helpers do so rather than having to faker factory create and i always do the wrong thing i try and use like new faker and did it always forget that it's faker factory. Yeah, so yeah, if you if you're wanting to use faker throughout your application then definitely give this uh, we'll link it up in the show notes it's just a it's a really short like five liner that you can drop in your helpers file uh, next up, we've got this Laravel shared data package, which allows you to share data from your backend in JavaScript with Laravel shared data also by Coderello, who created the populated factory package we just spoke about. The API for this package is very simple. It comes with a, a facade and a helper access and allows you to put, so share data, colon, colon, put, and then you just pass it an array of whatever you want to throw in there. And it will output data to JavaScript in a, a window.sharedData object. And you just include that using the at shared blade helper. So I've used this in, the, in a few places. I think Laravel Spark does it where it gives you like a user window ob- yeah. object on the, mm-hmm. on the window. And then you can access that throughout your entire application. It's a fairly common approach, I think. I, I used to think it was fairly lazy until I started seeing other people do it. I went, oh, I guess this is the way that we do things. Right. So, it is really convenient um, sometimes, man. It's really convenient. Yeah. Yeah. Especially just having it there available uh, in a package means you don't have to, you know, re-implement it between any applications that you're doing this in. So thanks again to Coderello. Uh, we will have a link to that in the show notes. Yeah. I was going to say, I just uh, jumped on GitHub to see Coderello and it looks like they've got like, let's see, one, two, like almost 10 or 12 different packages. Some pretty interesting ones. Uh, nice. Nova Login as they have JS Query Builder, an easy way to build a query string compatible with uh, Laravel Query Builder. So it's, it looks like these guys work with Laravel on the back end and JavaScript on the front end quite a bit. And so they've mm-hmm. kind of got some stuff that makes it easy to, to do that. So this is really interesting. If you haven't checked them out before, go ahead and do that. Yeah. Looks like uh, Ilya Sakovich is uh, the person behind the, uh, the group on GitHub. So uh, thanks to Ilya and anyone else involved in these packages. I think I was listening to a, a recent episode of No Plans to Merge and Caleb and Daniel hit the nail on the head that there are so many smart people that, that maybe don't get quite as much exposure as as the US folks. But there there's so many smart people over in, in Europe doing so many incredible things in our community. So shout out to them as well. Absolutely. We've got this another, we've got this another, we've got another package called iCal Library for PHP. So Marcus Poreski. Has a, PH- has a PHP package that provides an abstraction layer for creating iCalendars. Uh, so this is interesting. So if you use iCal, like, um, you know, iPhone, iMac, whatever, they use the iCal <laughs> format. So what this allows you to do is create a new calendar object. You can then set the name, the time zone, the event start time, end time, uh, summary, etc., etc. And then you can allow whoever it is, your person, who's looking at this, to subscribe to that iCal.ics file. So it supports the following iCalendar components, vCalendar, vEvent, vAlarm, and vTimezone, which is just, that's really interesting to me. I think that's really, really cool. I've wanted to know how to do that before. And I know that it's kind of the other, the other piece of it would be how do you support... It seems like you'd have to do both, right? It's it's sort of that like you couldn't ever just create just an iCal event, could you? I mean, mm-hmm. like does Microsoft Outlook interpret that? You know what I mean? It's like you kind of have almost this cross-platform sort of problem. Yeah. If your market is only people on iPhones or only people on Macs, this would work amazingly. But it seems like you're going to have to support 
both, sort of, huh? What do you think? I'm pretty sure that most things can open an iCal. Okay. I could be wrong there, but because I know that I've got iCals that open, like Gmail, for example, will detect that there's an iCal there and it will happily import it into Google Calendar. So, okay. So maybe it doesn't even matter. In any case, this is pretty yeah. awesome. Very cool. Uh, so thanks, Marcus, for contributing that. It's pretty neat. Okay. What else we got? Next up, we've got the Laravel Zip Content Validator by Orkan Armadov, which is a custom validation rule for checking the contents of an uploaded zip file. So in your form request or your inline request validate or however you validate your content, you can pass in new zip content as one of the, the rules in your rule array. And it will not only check the existence of a file path, but you can also validate the maximum size of a file. You can also use an all style of validation that's in it. An example of all validation in tandem with maximum size. So a file that is thumb.jpg or thumb.png and it is uh, 100 kilobytes in size. And you can reject empty files with a false as a second argument. So if you have thumb.jpg and the file, uh, the zip file is actually empty, then you can just reject that as part of your validation rule. So if you've ever had to do any validation against zip files that are being uploaded to your application, check out this package. We'll have links to it in the show notes. That's interesting. So this is just saying, I'm not sure that I understand completely. So I'm wondering if you'll talk through this real quick with me. I've had to like, I've not had to like validate zip files before, but I'm guessing, you know, the only validation I've done really is to kind of check to make sure that they're not corrupted. So I use this thing like Komodo zip unzipper or something, whatever, whatever, which basically unzips the files mm-hmm. and then recursively goes through if there's any zips embedded in it, whatever. But sometimes we do have these weird ones where it actually is a corrupted value or it's a 0k zip file or something that comes in as a .zip, but you actually can't unzip it. I'm curious if this would handle that. But also, it look, the part that's a little bit confusing to me is it says new... So in the, in the rule, you have zip content. And then in the following pieces, they actually have file paths, right? Like thumbs.jpg, mm-hmm. assets slash logo.png. So it's basically checking the existence of file paths within the zip content. It sounds like it, yeah. Which is interesting to me because it seems odd that you would ever know the contents ahead of time. Well, if you're saying you need to upload a zip file to me and it needs to, like, for example, if we're handling something where, where a user needs to upload some proof of uh, occupancy or proof of identity, we'll say include a screenshot or, you know, a photo of, some you know a, a pdf of your utility bill and a photo of your driver's license and the driver's license file you, you would never do this i think because it's hard enough to get people to do create a zip file let alone specifically <laughs> files but you could then say yeah. i require a zip file and it must have driver's license.jpg and uh, utility bill.pdf in there so you could validate that i mean i don't know like that's a fairly specific thing and from a like Trusting your users to do that properly, I I wouldn't hold my breath. But you know, this may be some interesting. That's the sort kind of thing that you could do. Yeah, I mean, like I suppose if I had an automated process that was running to send me some sort of zip, or if I had some contract essentially with another client that I'm working with, that they're going to always on the second mm-hmm. of the month send me this specific zip that has these pieces. If I'm kind of following the fail early, fail often sort of, you know, I don't know, if fail often is actually part of that, but failing early right detecting whether where it's actually a problem and returning it back at that point this might be useful in that case yeah in any case it's it's still very interesting mm-hmm. yeah i'd be interested to see what paul redmond's use case was he always has sort of a 
you know, I wonder how he stumbles across these packages sometimes. It's funny. Like, he's using them somewhere. And it's like, oh, zip, yeah. zip content validator. I wonder what Paul's doing over there. So, anyway, funny stuff. Okay. Always something obscure. Always <laughs> something obscure. Very true. Okay, we've got this customizable feedback component for Laravel, which is also one of the um, packages that Paul has has put up here for us. Uh, so the Laravel Customizer Package is a customizable feedback widget for your Laravel application. So it allows you to implement a customer feedback component on your website using Vue.js, but you can apply it in any front-end tool of your choice. If you want to use the JavaScript and the UI that ships with this package, you can just include them in your layout so you don't have to really do anything yourself. You can just include a script file and then include a blade template. And the custom uh, container element needs to live outside of your app's view.js container. And really all that means is that if you have right inside your body uh, body tag a div with a ID equals app and your view, your view root component is kind of hooking onto that, it needs to live outside of that. You could also push it into your Nova dashboard. So some, it seems like they've got quite a bit of uh, integration with all the Laravel stuff that you're used to using. And as well, I'll hmm. say that the the template, the little UI template that they give you actually does look really good. It actually reminds me of something that Sentry does, Laravel Sentry. And uh, Laravel Sentry is the name of the package. Sorry, Sentry is the company. But when something happens on your website and it fails... So if you get like a 500 or a four, whatever, something that's a failure that the user would, you know, not really have a course of correction on, they'll pop up a little mm-hmm. feedback widget and say, hey, tell us what happened. And then it'll submit that back to you on the, on the back end side so you can see what the user was experiencing at the yeah. time of that error. It reminds me of that, but it looks really nice. It looks really nice. It looks almost like material UI-ish. So if, mm-hmm. in any case, if you're looking for something like that, it's sort of pre-built for you, way for your customer to kind of send you some feedback this might be something you want to take a look at so there you go absolutely yeah all right hey we've got three news items to hit up and then we will be complete for this episode so the first one here is the announcement that laricon online 2020 is coming to a couch near you on the 26th of february this year with over fifteen thousand attendees in our first three years laricon online is the largest laravel conference in the universe not just the planet, the universe. the universe. Yep. This year's speaker lineup includes Taylor Otwell, Freik van der Herten, Matt Stauffer, Jason McQuarrie, Kayla Porzio, Snipe, or I think I forget her name. Allison, I'm pretty sure her name is Snipe. Snipe IT, Jonathan Rennick, and Christoph Rumpel. Just like last year, the event is hosted entirely online with an early bird price right now of twelve dollars before the regular ticket price of twenty five dollars sets in later there are no hotels there's no airfare just sign up and spend the day watching some of the best speakers right from your computer the event will start at 9 a.m eastern standard time on the 26th of february and run until 6 45 p.m eastern standard time with mingling throughout the day in slack if you have missed last year's event and i think even 2018 all of the videos are now available so you can catch a glimpse of what to expect when you attend laracon online and enjoy a full day of learning about laravel and the surrounding ecosystem Registration is open for everyone and includes a conference ticket, the recorded videos to watch pretty much immediately after everything's finished and a special place online for networking, hanging out and mingling and even digital swag. All again, as I said, just for $12 during the early bird special. Digital loot alone is worth more than the ticket price. So act fast as they will go up $25 once the early bird ends. So uh, we will include links in the show notes for you to uh, do that. You can hit laricon.net. And uh, if you want to jump 
jump the gun and get your tickets there. I'm literally buying the tickets as we're speaking right now. And for your whole team. Done. Yep. For your whole team. For the entire team. I'm buying four tickets. That's correct. And there we go. They're purchased. Done. There you Beautiful. go, guys. Easy. It's 12 bucks a piece. There we go. They're all done. Yep. Got four of them. So there we go. Okay. Awesome. Well, we we enjoy this event every year. Uh, we love it. It's always great. It's like a middle of the year sort of boost to kind of get you excited about things that are going on uh, in the community and get you some great ideas and also a great excuse to kind of take a day off. It's not even really what the word is. It's not like, but I feel like, man, everybody else gets all these conferences all the time. And uh, do you ever feel that way? And it's like, this is a great thing for us just to kind of get a little break and uh, recharge. And then also, like I was going to say, a great opportunity to hang out with other developers. So if you don't have in your area, a hosting party that's going on, consider doing one. Uh, Consider trying to get together some PHP developers, even if they aren't Laravel people. There's a Mm -hmm. lot of stuff in here that doesn't necessarily only have to apply to Laravel. Uh, It could have crossed the board to other disciplines and PHP, probably specific to PHP. But it's worth getting a couple of people in there who, uh, who don't you know, no Laravel kind of as a, uh, just a fun introduction Mm -hmm. to the community. We have a viewing party every year in Bloomington. I think this is year four and, uh, have a couple regulars that come up from St. Louis down from Chicago. So excited to see them again this year. We got to get our landing page up and start getting our own little, uh, meetup tickets going out there. They're free, but, uh, yeah, fun times. (laughs) Okay. We have JetBrains Mono, which is a new typeface that is made for developers. So this was uh, created by JetBrains, of course, and JetBrains is uh, the people behind PHP Storm, which we all, every one of us, know and love PHP Storm, don't we? Let's give them a round, round of applause. Yes. Yep. Michael's. <laughs> Michael is not a fan. <laughs> Uh, just like giving them a hard time. So uh, here's the little description they give that goes along with this. For the most part of our day, we as developers look at the code. It's no wonder we are always on the lookout for the best font. I mean, gosh, this happens all the time on Twitter, right? There's always one. Somebody mm-hmm. posts a screenshot and the within the first five comments, what theme is that? What font is that? It's always the case, yeah. right? So there's no, uh, yeah. there's yeah. no uh, wonder. We're always on the lookout for the best font to make looking at the text on the screen easier on our eyes. Uh, However, the logic in many popular fonts does not always take into account the difference between reading through code and reading a book. Our eyes move along code in a very different way, having to move vertically as often as they do horizontally. That's really interesting. As opposed to reading a book where they slide along the text, always in the same direction. So while working on the JetBrains mono font, they've focused on, among other things, issues that can cause eye fatigue during long sessions of working with code. They've considered things like size and shape of letters, amount of space in between them. Uh, it's a balance of naturally engineered monospace fonts. Uh, and so they've tried to eliminate unnecessary details and unclear distinctions between symbols such as I's and L's, for example. And then they've also added programming ligatures when developing the font. So if you've ever seen somebody post a screenshot where you get this really fancy triple equals, it's like three lines instead of just like three equal signs in a row. Uh, yeah, that's what they're talking about, programming ligatures. So starting with version 2019.3, JetBrains Mono will be shipping with their IDE. And of course, you can download it and use it in any editor that you prefer because they're that kind. Thank you, JetBrains. You guys rock. We appreciate it. The last thing that we have here is a post by Kevin McKee. It's a guest post on Laravel News. And it's helping you learn how to submit your first PR and get it merged. So this post goes through setting up your local environment for open source package contributions. 
It talks about uh, forking the project, finding it to your local machine, symlinking that project into your into a local Laravel installation so that you can work with the package within the context of a Laravel app while you're developing it. And then tells you a little bit more about that. There is a a video, a free video course that you can learn how to start contributing. You can sign up now at the Contribute to Open Source uh, video course. We'll have links to that in the show notes for you. This is actually really nice. If you've ever needed to, if you'd like to contribute to something sort of like uh, Livewire, for example, which is the actual example he gives here. And you've thought, man, I'd really like Mm -hmm. to, I, I can install it myself, but how do I actually get to develop with this locally and make the changes because a lot of times if you're if you're using like if you've installed it it's going to end up in your vendor directory right and your vendor directory you go in there and any changes you make are going nowhere right so basically the steps that he walks you through here are installing it locally and then sim linking it into a project so that you can make changes on another location in another branch and then push those changes up to get those pull requests in so i think this is actually even just this blog post alone is a great reference point to be able to figure out how do i do that or how is somebody that hasn't ever contributed before to open source how can they do that how can they pull a package into laravel and contribute back to that if they found a bug or something like that also, quick shout out, this is Kevin McKee, who is one of the dudes who has been coming to our uh, Laravel Online viewing party for the last couple of years. So shout out Kevin. He does some really, really cool work, uh, Kevin McKee does. So if you don't follow him on Twitter, go ahead and check that out and check out this post in the show notes as well. It'd be awesome. All right. I think that wraps it up. This is episode 110. Thanks so much for tuning in with us. If you'd like to find show notes for this episode, you can find them at podcast.laravel-news.com slash 110. Of course, if you uh, have any questions for us, reach out, reach out to us on Twitter at Michael Dorinda, at Jacob Bennett, or at Laravel News. And if you like the show, we would really appreciate it if you rate it up in your podcatcher of choice. That would be awesome. And or share it with your friends. Thanks so much. We appreciate that. And subscribe. Make sure that new episodes end up in your podcatcher right away as soon as they're released. And also thank you to show sponsor About You. Yeah. Appreciate that. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you in two weeks. Bye. Bye.